welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. in the message. We had a great time last week with Pastor Josh Williford. Wasn't that an incredible message? The mantle. It was so good. If you weren't here, if you missed it, if you're not clapping because you weren't here, you need to go on the podcast and check it out because it was an incredible message talking about the mantle. We have it. Jeremy Reinhardt brought a word before Pastor Josh even preached. He said, he was like, I just feel like I'm supposed to say, you have it. You've got it already. You don't need to be looking for it. He talked about Elijah passing on the mantle to Elisha. And the same way, when Jesus ascended to the Father, he left the Holy Spirit for us. You have the mantle. You've got it. You don't have to look anywhere. You don't have to be waiting for it. You have it right now. And today, we go back into our last sermon on our series called At the Movies. This is a popular series where we take a movie and we examine the biblical truths in the movie. We're not not looking to override the Bible, but, but stories help us to learn, right? Um, it's why Jesus told parables. He, he told people stories because it was easier to explain things to the crowds in stories. And today, with Scripture, we're going to look at, I, I would argue, one of the best movies of all time. Personally, to me. Uh, arguably the best movie trilogy. It combined for, uh, I think, 17 Oscars is what I saw uh, between the three movies. It's a classic good versus evil story. With characters like dwarves and elves and orcs and trolls. That's right, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship. Okay, there's people excited about the Fellowship of the Ring. And this movie trilogy is incredible. The movies have been around for about 20 years now. I remember growing up with it. I didn't get to see the first movie in theater. I was a little bit too young for that, but I got to see it when my dad bought an Xbox with the DVD remotes and the movie all at the same time. Praise the Lord for a good father that was able to bless us with that. Um, But I got to see the other movies in theater, and um, uh, this movie series was actually written as books first by a man named J.R.R. Tolkien, and you may be familiar with him. He was friends with another writer of that time, C.S. Lewis very popular Christian author. We know a lot of his work. And Tolkien, back in the 50s, he he created this world called Middle Earth. And in interviews, he would say that uh, Middle Earth was a world that was monotheistic, meaning it believed in one God. And he said the God of that world that he created is the same God that we believe in here today, the God of the Bible. And so today we're going to be diving into the first movie. I'm going to try to keep this very spoiler-free, but the book was written in 1954. And the movie came out in 2001. So you've had a little bit of time to educate yourself on this story. But as I said, it's a classic good versus evil story, but with a few twists. You see, there's this ring of power that has been lost for years following a great war. And the enemy is trying to retrieve and retake this ring in order to dominate Middle Earth. And the ring ends up in the most unlikely of places called the Shire to a group of people called the hobbits. The hobbits love to stay in their hobbit holes and have parties and celebrate. And they were not adventurous people, okay? They enjoyed their simple, familiar, comfortable life. And and there was a a boy there named Frodo. Um, the, The ring comes first to Bilbo. Bilbo eventually departs from the ring. He leaves it to his nephew, Frodo. And Frodo does not know at first that this ring is evil, It's a cursed ring, but he has a friend named Gandalf who explains the seriousness of the situation and that he must take this ring 
out of the Shire. So we're going to show this first clip of Gandalf preparing Frodo to leave with the ring. Where? Where do I go? Get out of the shower. Think for the village of Bree. Bree? What about you? I'll be waiting for you at the inn of the Prancing Pony. And the ring will be safe there? I don't know, Frodo. I don't have any answers. I must see the head of my order. He is both wise and powerful. Trust me, Frodo. You'll know what to do. You'll have to leave the name of Baggins behind you. But that name is not safe outside the shower. Travel only by day. And stay off the road. I can cut across country easily enough. My dear Frodo, hobbits really are amazing creatures. You can learn all that there is to know about their ways in a month, and yet after a hundred years, they can still surprise you. Confounded old Samwise Ganji! Have you been eavesdropping? I haven't dropped no eaves, sir, honest. I was just cutting the grass under the window there, if you follow me. A little late for trimming the verge, don't you think? I raised voices. What did you hear? Speak! Nothing important. That is, I heard a good deal about a ring and a dark lord and something about the end of the world, but please, Mr. Gandalf, sir, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me in anything unnatural. No. Perhaps not. I've thought of a better use for you. Come along, Samwise. Keep up. All right, so Frodo has a friend to tag along. And uh, he's going to pick up more friends later, as you will see. But today we're talking about becoming a hero. Uh, we all have different journeys and responsibilities, different tasks that we have to pursue. But each hero starts with a calling. Each person in our life, we start with having a calling. And Frodo was in need from the world around him. He was called by his guide Gandalf to leave the Shire and to take away the ring. Today's message is entitled, Dangerous business. Dangerous business. It's, it's part of a quote that Bilbo tells to Frodo. He says, it's dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And I want to look at the danger, but how essential it is for, for us to step outside our door, to become the person, to go on the journey of who God has called us to be. And I want to compare the story and journey of Frodo and the many other characters in Lord of the Rings to the story in the Bible of the character Moses. We just saw that Frodo, he, he's called by Gandalf. It's kind of, Gandalf's kind of a spiritual guide, if you will, for Frodo through this journey. But I also want to look at Moses. Because Moses was, uh, he had left his people. He had left the Israelites in bondage in Egypt. He fled to Midian, finds a woman there, he gets married, and there he's working, and God finds him and gives him this assignment, gives him this calling in this moment. Let's read the beginning of Exodus in chapter 3. Let's read the first six verses. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, 
And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Skip down to verse 10 with me. After that, it says, God says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses is going about his normal business when he sees this bush on fire. The whole reason for this bush being on fire is it is, first of all, God getting Moses' attention. If you look at fire throughout the Old Testament, the symbolism of what it means, fire means the presence of God. A lot of times when we see the fire of God, or we're singing on a Sunday morning, fire fall down on us. We're like looking around the building like everything's fine, right? We're not going to you know, burn this place down. That's not what we're praying for. We're praying for the presence of God to sense his manifest presence in our life. And so the presence of God is there, and Moses is attracted to it. He notices, walks closer. God says, stop there. You're on holy ground. You are in my presence. And in this moment, as he, as he finds the presence of God, God gets a hold of his attention, and Moses is instructed to go back to Egypt. So Moses is instructed on a journey to Egypt. Frodo is instructed with his friend Sam to go to Rivendell. So look at Sam and Frodo. They, they go to Rivendell. They, they survive that part of the trip. But they don't realize that this is just the first step of their assignment. Because when Sam and Frodo, they get to Rivendell, Frodo feels compelled to continue on. But Sam actually begins to pack his bags to head back home. And I couldn't find a good clip of this because it was like the only clip that was available on YouTube was shot by someone's iPhone. It didn't look good, but let me just paraphrase. Frodo says to Sam, he says, I thought you wanted to see the elves. No, I thought you wanted adventure. And Sam goes, well, I did. I, I wanted all this thing, but I, I figured somebody else can handle this journey. It's, it's not ours to do. Someone else can handle this responsibility. Sam hopes to leave the ring with the elves and go back to familiarity and comfort. It's a dangerous road in the journey in life. And our first point, number one, is the road is full of reasons. There will always be reasons. There will always be excuses for us to turn back. I mean, in the world full of danger, this is no place for a hobbit, right? Gandalf actually says that, I think, in the third movie. He says, a hobbit would not know how to handle himself in danger and battle. Just as we can have, we have our own excuses, our own reasons for why we can't be called by God to do things. Thankfully, God has a response to our reasons. And Moses gives reasons to God why he can't be the one, he can't do this. And God gives him reasons. Look at the next verse, verse 11 and 12. It says, but Moses said to God, 
Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So Moses says, I I can't do this. Who am I to be someone that can deliver a nation out of slavery? And God reminds him, it's it's not about you. This is not about your credentials. That's not about you. It's about who you serve. You don't need to ask, who am I, God? You just need to know who is the God that you serve. And God assures Moses that he's going to be with Moses. God goes on to say, if anyone asks who sent you, just tell them I am. Just tell them I am sent you. Just tell them the God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sent you. Do you know why he uses those words, why he mentions those people? He's explaining how the God of the, of the previous fathers, how he has provided for and he's protected and he's delivered his fathers in the past and he's going to do it again in the present time. He's saying, I'm the same God that blessed your father Abraham, that watched over your father Isaac. The same God that did that is here with you right now. And Moses says, I I can't speak. He gives more reasons, excuses. He says, "I'm, I'm not eloquent in speak. And God says, I'm the one who made your mouth. Don't, don't tell me that, you, that I can't speak through you. I made, I formed every part of your body. So many times on our journey, we come up with reasons and excuses for why we can't go on. For why we need to revert back to familiarity and to comfort. But God says, I've got something better for you on the road ahead. If you will only allow me to work through you and not allow those reasons and excuses to hold you back. Because there's always going to be a reason why we can't do something. If you look hard enough, you'll always find an excuse for what you don't want to do. You might think that you've already messed up too many times. You might think you can't be here because you're unqualified. You're too this or that. You're, you're not capable. You're too tired. Think about this one. Maybe people, you don't feel like people appreciate what you do. They don't even notice the things I do for them. They don't care. I can't do this. I'm not happy right now. There's always reasons. Moses struggled to speak in public. It's a pretty good reason to not be a leader of people. You have to do that a lot. Did you also know that before this time, before any of this happened in the burning bush, Moses killed a man. And that did not disqualify him from being used by God. We see early on in this movie that Frodo and Sam, they have to carry the weight of the ring. And it's an evil ring that many are drawn to here. And, and some want this ring for themselves to wield it for their own power. And I was going to show you a clip, but I felt, I felt better of it. It's a little bit of a disturbing image in the, for a moment. There's a, an elf, Galadriel, in this, clip, in this film. Um, she's kind of like a prophet. And she's telling Frodo all the things that are going to happen in his journey. And she says, some people are going to try to take this ring from you. And then Frodo offers the ring to her. And in a moment, she goes from this this beautiful figure, this creature, to all of a sudden this dark shadow of what she would become if she were to take that ring. 
She, she says words like, I w- I w- all would love me and all would despair. And then you see her revert back from that dark shadow to her normal self as she declines the ring and she says, I've passed the test. I've passed the test. Our second point on the road, the road is full of reasons and the road is full of temptation. Temptation. If you watch these movies, temptation is a big theme of these movies. On the road of life, there will be temptation. You will be tempted to use the power and the skill that you have for your own abilities to honor yourself, to glorify yourself. Did you know that Moses was tempted as well? Before the burning bush, before he parted the Red Sea, he was tempted. But you have to look at Hebrews 11. I know the story's in Exodus, but in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews talks about the faith of Moses. Look at Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27. He says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses was actually living in the beginning of his life as an adopted child of Pharaoh. He had a very easy life. Everything you could possibly want. That is a very difficult temptation to resist right? But Moses chooses to be mistreated as an Israelite, as God's people, instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. When we talk about temptation and sin, I got to be honest with you, sin can be enjoyable. I don't want to sugarcoat this for you. Sin, for a moment, it feels great, but it does not last. And after that moment is gone, you will feel condemnation and shame and all of that routes you back to what? To doing it all over again. That's the cycle of the slavery to sin. It's a great moment, but when that moment is gone, you feel empty. And it does not compare to the long-lasting reward of choosing the narrow path of Jesus. Are you guys with me this morning? It's pretty quiet. Just want to make sure. Moses realized that there was a greater wealth. The road is full of temptation. You say, well, okay, temptation's tough, Matt. How do, we, how do we focus against, how do we resist temptation? What does it say that Moses did? What is the first thing it says? It says, by faith, Moses. He had faith to make the right choice. He had faith to choose God over Egypt. Faith that following God was in his best interest over the desire for the fleeting pleasure of sin. Faith that God alone would be the provider, that he would be the fulfillment. I don't need to look for fulfillment outside of his will. I choose to trust in God. There will be temptation on your road in life because guess what? It's the easy way out. It's the shortcut. But it damages your relationship with God and others. Be wary of the traps. Galadriel, she warns Frodo of those who might try to take that ring from him. 
and she herself is tempted. Temptation, what it does, she says this. She says she would become loved, beautiful, treacherous, and stronger. What temptation attempts to do is put your identity in something other than God. Moses was tempted to identify with the people of Egypt, with the comfort of Pharaoh, instead of enduring the hardships of the identity of being with God's chosen people. And notice that Galadriel, she says, I passed the test at the end. Accepting that ring would have put her on a different path. It would have enslaved her to its power. There will be temptations on your journey. And multiple times in the movie, Frodo is tempted to succumb to the ring, the power of the ring, as is his friends. I'm going to show you one other character who is tempted by the power of the ring. Let's show that next clip. Frodo? It has taken more, man. Where is the ring? Stay away! Frodo! I swore to protect you. Can you protect me from yourself? Would you destroy it? Especially Sam. He will not understand. Go, Frodo. Run! Run! All right, let's cut it there, actually. Um, I forgot there's a battle scene that happens right there, and I cut it like a minute or two later. I wanted to watch it with you guys. I really want to watch the battle scene, but we have to keep going into, uh, into the... Maybe afterwards we'll just watch the four-hour movie. Is that okay? Can we just do that? Um, uh, even Aragorn, Aragorn is known as this man throughout the movies of a man of high morals and chooses a pure path, but even he is tempted. One thing I want to address about temptation is that you are not defined by your temptation. I'm going to say that again. You are not defined by your temptation. Even the greatest people the greatest men and women of faith in the Bible, they were tested. Moses was tested. Do you know who was tested in the New Testament? Jesus was tempted. Everyone has to go through temptation. But somehow when we're tempted, we begin to think less of ourselves, right? We think, oh, I, you know, I don't deserve to live this walk of Christ. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe that thought even entered my mind. Why would I think that? I, I should give up all these things if I'm going to be tempted with things like that. No, temptation of sin comes to everyone. It matters what we do with that temptation. The book of James says this in James 1. It says, but each person is tempted 
when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin, sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So where does temptation come from? Our own selfish desires. Temptation does not come from God. We see examples in the movie and others. It's their decision to choose to give in to temptation or to yield to it that births sin. Notice here it says, the desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. It doesn't say that having that desire is sin. It's when you yield, when you conceive, when you allow that temptation to take you down the path of sin. And then it says, when sin is fully grown, when you continue to go in the direction of sin, that's going to lead to death. But do you know what that tells me on each part of that trajectory? There's a moment where you can choose, will I yield to temptation or not? Will I continue down this road of sin towards death or will I go the other way? We are tempted by our own interests. Look at what Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians 10. This is important. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here is the key to resisting temptation. Because Paul says, first of all, he says, no temptation that you have is new. Your temptations are common. Everyone is dealing with these struggles. The devil always tries to isolate us and say, you're the only one thinking this. That you're the only one having this problem. The Bible says, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And then he encourages us by saying God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Instead, he will make a way of escape. He will give you an exit. And when I thought about this, I've read this before in the past, but I think sometimes when we're tempted and we think God's going to provide a way out, we think it's just as simple as a door right there that I can walk out and I'm gone away from the temptation. Think about if an army was being trapped by an enemy coming at them, and they're losing their spots, they're losing a way of escape, but they see this mountain. They say, okay, we can climb over this mountain and get to the other side and we'll be safe. Is that escape an easy way to go? No, but it is a way of escape. Sometimes in order to resist temptation, we have to take a hard way, a hard escape, a hard path through the mountain to get there. But there is a way. I don't know if that touched anybody else, but when I was reading that, I'd always thought when temptation came, like, God, where, where's the way of escape? Where's the easy exit? It's not always easy. But it is there if you're willing to look for it. That's a better point than you guys are talking back, but I'm going to keep going. I don't have time. The road is full of temptation. Let's move on to the third point today. I've been kind of shifting around the story of the Fellowship of the Ring. It's, I've not gone linear, all right? So for, please forgive me, but I wanted to end today on a high note. I felt like I was, I didn't want to feel like I was beating you down on this. The road's dangerous and there's excuses and there's temptation out there. So I want to end on a high note this morning. 
So Frodo, in a moment, brings the ring to that elvish city of Rivendell. It brings it to the great leaders and will choose what's, what's going to happen to the ring. What is the fate of the ring? And this is going to be the last clip. It's a three-minute clip. You're welcome. And uh, we're going to watch what they choose will be the fate of the ring. Let's show this last clip. We may need to restart if the audio is not ready. We good? I will stall for time if we're not good. Just need a heads up. Okay. All right. Well, it's a great scene. I promise you guys, and you're gonna love it. And uh, you're gonna. There's some funny parts in it. There's some great dialogue. Um, the music adds to it a lot. Um, good character development. Uh, anything else? Guys, no? Not good? Okay. Um, the third point today, on the dangerous road, there will be reasons why you can't set out. There will be temptation. But number three is the road is full of friends. Are we going to try it again or no? Give me a thumbs up or down. No? Okay. Sad day. <laughs> we must have friends to help us on our journey in life. And just like Josh said last week, he said that we all have a part to play in life, right? We're, we're not on the sideline. We're all part of the game. I love how all this starts because everyone in this clip, they're, they're arguing what should happen to the ring. I'm, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to act it out for you, okay? I'm going to explain what happens in this ring. Yeah, yeah, I got this. I'm not going to do the voices because I, I was made fun of. Oh, it's going to work now. I start to try to do it and now you say it's going to work. Okay, fine. Go ahead. You heard nothing Lord Elrond has said. The ring must be destroyed. And I suppose you think you're the one to do it. And if we fail, what then? What happens when Sauron takes back what is his? I will be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an elf. take the ring to Mordor. No. I do not know the way. I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins, as long as it is yours to bear. By my life or death, And you have my bow. And my axe. 
bury the face of his own little one. This is indeed the will of the council. I think Gondor will see it done. Hey! Mr. Frodo's not going anywhere without me. No, indeed, it is hardly possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council. tied up in a sack to stop it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission, quest, thing. Well, that rules you out, My companions. So be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? Clearly, it was not meant for me to uh, give my impression of it, but I think that was probably better. But as we look at that clip, I love how there's, at the beginning, everyone's suspicious of one another. No one trusts anybody to take the ring. Energy, emotions are high. And all of a sudden, you see Frodo, and he's got this inner conflict with him. And he sees the danger of the ring and its potential evil. And he stands up and he says, I will take it. I will take it. Is this not so, such a great parallel of our journey with Jesus where we stand up and we're excited in a moment. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do that for you, God. Where are we going? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm excited, God. I'm ready to do this, but I don't know what I'm doing. A lot of times in life, our excitement overtakes our ability to know what we're doing and what God has for us. But the third point is the road is full of Friends, there are people in our life that come around us to support us in our walk with Christ. You've got friends to help you in your journey. And lastly, let's look back at the story of Moses as we close here. We're going to look later on in his story. Moses is finally willing to be the leader. The people of Israel, they leave Egypt. They, they depart. They're in the wilderness. They've escaped slavery, and God has been providing for them and all of a sudden, they come across the Amalekites. Look at Exodus chapter 17. Let's read these, first, these uh, four verses together. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. So we have the Amalekites and the Israelites. There's a reason that Moses and the people of Israel choose to fight against the Amalekites. The Amalekites are one of these groups that they fight dirty. The Israelites are trying to leave there. They're in the wilderness. Think about this is, this is miles of people heading in one direction. The Amalekites, what they were doing is they were continuing to come behind the Israelites and pick them off a little by little. Anyone that was a straggler from behind, any of the goods, possessions that they had that were at the back of their caravan, they were picking them off. And Moses says, okay, that's it. 
We're going we're gonna to turn around. We're going to fight this group. Joshua, you're going to go out there and fight them. And it says Moses and Aaron and her, they go up to the top to look over the battle. And they have this, this rod, this staff of Moses. It's interesting because in certain areas of this book, it says the staff of Moses. In other areas, it says the staff of God. As if to say this was a human, a natural object that had God's divine power attached to it. And we see that as the, as the rod, the staff is held up towards heaven, the Israelites are winning the battle. And whenever it gets lowered towards the earth, the Amalekites begin to win. And so let's see what happens next. Read the next two verses with me. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So Moses, he, he's struggling to stand up and to hold that staff up. And thankfully, Aaron and her were kind enough to find a nice comfy stone for him to sit down on and to rest on. And then they came on each side of him, helping to hold up and support his hands while Joshua won the battle. Brent, can you come up and play keys as we close? In our journey in life as Christians, we have to have friends that come alongside of us. We cannot do this alone. Moses needed Aaron and her to support his hands. But he also noted, did you notice that also once that happened, once they had lifted up his hands, it wasn't over. Joshua still had to go out there and fight the battle and finish it. All of them had to work together in order to accomplish and fight and win the battle. You need in your life a community that will help support and lift up your hands when you're going through tough times. Who is holding up your hands in your life? Who is coming alongside you in your journey and saying, I'm going to support you. I'm going to hold you accountable in life. I'm going to make sure, hey, are you coming to church? Hey, hey, stay away from that stuff. Hey, I, I saw the scripture and I thought about you. Do you have people in your life to help hold up your hands for victory? You need support because guess what? We all have excuses and reasons for why we shouldn't do things. We are all going to battle temptation. But there's hope. There's hope through God through, to resist temptation. There is hope as the people of God come together. Would you stand up with me as we close? I don't know if you've noticed, but we've had some underlying themes through these three movies at the movies. Toy Story was about belonging. Star Wars was about believing. And Lord of the Rings was about becoming. We want you to become the person God has called you to be. We don't gather as a church just to check it off a box of what we do as a Christian life. We do it because we're stronger, we're better together. And I just want to pray for you as we close today, as we close this time, 
in your Christian walk with God, looking at some of the areas that might be holding you back from being the man and the woman of God that he's called you to be. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray this morning? If you're here today and God has been calling you to something, but you've always had this nagging excuse or reason for why you can't do it. If that's you today, I wanna pray with you in mind. Would you raise your hand? Slip up your hand and say, there's been excuses, there've been reasons that I've told myself I can't do this, but today I'm gonna continue down this path. I'm not gonna allow those reasons to hold me back. Yes, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand, thank you. Second group of people, you know God has a call in your life, but you feel like every time, every time you take that next step, you feel a temptation to go a different way. If that's you today and you need prayer to resist the temptation, to stay strong in adversity, remember what God's word says, there will be a path of escape, there will be an exit. If you're, today, if you're here today and you need prayer for that exit, would you raise your hand? Say, things have been holding me back. I need that exit. Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. Lastly, if you're like, man, I'm trying my best. I don't feel like right now I have the friends that I need. You need God's, you need God to open your eyes to see the people around you, to to be willing to pursue someone, or maybe God needs to put someone in your path to help support your hands like Aaron and her did for Moses. If that's you today, I wanna to pray for you and the friends around you. Would you raise your hand? Say, I need the friends that are gonna support me. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand, yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. All right, church, let's pray together as we close this morning. God, I thank you that each person here has a calling and a purpose on their life and we will not allow the enemy to stop them in their path, to change their direction. Today, right now, God, I, I speak against the excuses and the reasons that come from our heads, that we can't do the things, that we're not qualified, that we're not good enough, those are not from you. So we speak against that in Jesus' name. We take every thought captive in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that are struggling with temptation, show them the escape. Show them the exit that when a bad thought comes in, they can take that thought captive and throw it out and knowing it's not from you. Don't allow God for any of them to be beaten down and feel condemnation for the things that they're thinking. All of us are struggling with temptation, but instead to bind that thought and cast it out knowing it's not from us. And lastly, I pray for those that are looking for friendship, that need people to come alongside them and lift up their hands in life. God, open their eyes to see it. Bring the people into their lives that can help them and invest in them and help each one of us to be accountable and responsible for bringing those along in our walk with you, Lord. I thank you for this group. I pray a blessing over them and all that they do to glorify and to honor you in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. 
And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.